Hi, this is Tia Sirkar. I play Sabine Wren on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Twin Suns Transmission. Of course, it ends where it begins. A desert planet with twin suns. Hey, my name is Taylor Gray, and I play Ezra Bridger in Star Wars Rebels. I hope you enjoy this week's episode of Twin Suns Transmission. Here's where the fun begins. Let's make this a bit more interesting. You've taken your first step into a larger world. The garbage will do! Nothing will stand in our way. May the force be with us. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Twin Sons Outpost Book Club podcast. I'm your host Eric Pfeiffer, joined as always by Amanda DeFonzo. Hey! And Jesse Sanfilippo. Hey guys! So guys, we have just finished A Crash of Fate for the month of February by Zareta Cordova. And this is another one of those Galaxy's Edge books which is very exciting and we're going to dive deep into discussing that here shortly. But before we do that, what I want to do is I want to talk a little bit about something that we got just recently as far as major news regarding some Star Wars literature, and that is the special project, Project Luminous, for for Star Wars. This was a secret project that uh, met back in 2018 with a bunch of authors um, it was the Summit, 2018 Author Summit, uh, and it was just authors and members of the story group that met at Skywalker Ranch to sort of um, team up and work on this big new sort of uh, section of Star Wars called the High Republic, and this is 200 years, about a couple hundred years prior to the movie. So guys, what do you think of this announcement? I have been waiting for this. I'm so excited. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I can't even, like, contain myself because the only Star Wars I've experienced or the only um, Jedi Order I've experienced thus far has been the, you know, war-torn Star Wars that we all know and love. And I'm really, really excited to see the Jedi in their prime. Like, this is the Jedi of old that we hear about so often, and, like, it's referenced, but I can't picture what it's actually going to be like. So, I don't know. I'm just taking out. (laughs) I know. I totally agree. I'm excited to see what the Jedi were always intended to be, pretty much, because we just always hear, you know, yeah, throughout, like, all the movies and books and everything that we've been exposed to as of recent, um, that... You know, this is, everybody's always an argument that the Jedi aren't supposed to be generals and they're not supposed to be fighting wars and this is not, was not the intention and they've lost their way and all these things. So I'm really excited to see them in the height of who they all were striving to be and what they were striving to do. That's just a really exciting period that I, I can't wait to see and all this art looks so amazing with all these different aliens. It's Mm -hmm. super exciting. I'm also really excited for some of these authors because I think we've got a really, really talented crowd. I mean, we've got Claudia Gray, Justina Ireland. Um, I know Kevin Scott is going to be doing one of them. Charles Sewell? 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 
Sule? Soul? Sule? Well, if he ever hears this, I apologize for all of us butchering it really badly. We didn't mean it. We, we love you. <laughs> so, yeah, I just, I don't know. This is going to be incredible. <laughs> yeah, and if you take a look at some of the artwork of some of the covers of, you know, some of the... Um, you know, the publications that we're going to be getting, they look really cool. Very vibrant colors. You take a look at what the Jedi are wearing. It's almost, it's like golden robes almost. Like really white, very pristine. Not like, you know, you don't look like Obi-Wan coming out of his battle with Anakin on Mustafar with holes in his tunic and stuff like that. I mean, these Jedi look like they're, you know, used to walking through the, you know, the the Jedi temple with, Mm -hmm. you know, their flowing robes of goodness you know they look they look awesome i'm really excited for light of the jedi because on the cover there is a wookie jedi with a um cross saber the cross guard yeah yep yeah i'm like oh what (laughs) my heart (laughs) i know and nobody has body armor nobody's war ready they're peacekeepers yes and they look like peacekeepers. They look like angels. They yep. do look like angels. They have like golden like adornments and to go glowing. with their like golden robes. Like, look at the Wookiee. He's glowing. He's got a halo. <laughs> My gosh. <laughs> glowing fur. <laughs> so talking about some of the designs of, you know, these Jedi and some of the designs of the characters that we see on the front of these books and comics. Um, they talked about in the trailer that we got, uh, when they announced the High Republic that Ian McKay was brought on to design some of the drawings for the Jedi and some of the way that the Jedi look, and he's the same guy that designed Darth Maul for episode one. So, yeah, I think they're, they are going all out with, uh, the designs of these characters, and it'll be kind of cool to see... You know, as we continue on with the High Republic, what other characters and designs that we get. But I think that's really cool. Now, we did get a ton more information on the High Republic than we're going to be able to talk about here because of uh, time constraints. Uh, We do have to get to Crash of Fate. But um, a couple things that I wanted to bring up is that um, we are going to start to get some of these... Uh, books and comics and things like that beginning at Celebration. So if you're going out to Celebration Anaheim at the end of August, this is when they're going to sort of kick everything off uh, for the High Republic. So um, I believe Light of the Jedi might be the first one. Um, Yes, I believe so. It is. So my guess is at Celebration there will be a stampede of people trying to get that. I'll be at the front of it. (laughs) Help me. Some experience there. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh! Yeah. All three of us. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and the villains that we're getting in the High Republic, which to me are very intriguing, uh, especially the design. It's the Nile, and they uh, have this motto that is, "You can't uh, can't take it with you, but we can take it from you." And that's the, the, the saying and the motto that they have. And uh, the whole point of the High Republic is, um, you know, what scares the Jedi? There's a threat that comes from beyond the Republic's borders, and that's what we're going to be getting. Um, what's great about this is that we are getting content for 
adults, teens, and kids, and Star Wars fans of all ages. So this is very inclusive, which is awesome. Um, the story is going to begin with something called The Great Disaster, which sort of kicks everything off, and uh, I think that'll be interesting to see more about what that's going to be like. Um, and they also talk a little bit about how um, this is going to have like a, a Jedi that patrols the frontier, like a Texas Ranger style. Um, and as Amanda said, we've got uh, Claudia Gray, Justina Ireland, and Charles Soleil doing uh, a bunch of the books. Uh, Into the Dark by Claudia Gray, A Test of Courage by Justina Ireland, and Light of the Jedi by Charles Soleil. Then IDW Publishing is going to be doing a comic book series, uh, The High Republic Adventures, and then of course Marvel Comics is going to be doing a series as well. So um, not only are we going to be getting novels, but we're going to be getting comics, um, young readers books, and a bunch of different uh, pieces of content there. So very exciting very excited for the High Republic. What are you guys most excited for? Oh, gosh. What do you think is going to happen? I mean, some people are like, oh, we're going to see a young Yoda. But it's like, okay, well, Yoda is 900 years old in Episode 6. So it's only going to be a few hundred years before we see him in Episode 1. Um, it's like same Yoda. <laughs> right. But at the same time, if you think to the child, he's 50 and he's a toddler. So if his species ages funny... Maybe he's not actually as old as we think he's going to be when you're 700. I don't know what the math is. Like, what what know. does that equate yeah. to? Maybe he's but, like teenage Yoda. Mm, or like he's probably, young adult Yoda. He's probably older, but I don't I don't know. That species age is funny. Yeah. So, who knows? Um, and some people, you know, obviously Revan is a very popular um, character that was introduced in the Knights of the Old Republic uh, video games, and that is, you know, I don't know if it was exact, it's somewhere between like three to 4,000 years before episode one. Um, and this is only a couple hundred years, so, you know, there's, there's nothing that says that the Knights of the Old Republic are canon, um, but they, you know, if they brought in Revan, that could be something that they do, even though the timing is off. Um, they are coming out with a Revan lightsaber. Um, mm. Force Ooh. FX lightsaber, so I don't know if that's sort of like a foreshadow of what's to come, but I, I personally don't think so. I think we're going to focus more on the Nile and uh, see the Jedi in action against the threats from outside the Republic's borders. I'm so scared. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm just most excited for that, like that like lifestyle. What does it look like? What is their day-to-day? What is their like true role like in the galaxy? What are they doing? Besides fighting war. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What did they do with their time before they got lazy and then they had a war? Because, I mean, they were talking about how the Jedi had become complacent and irrelevant. And then there was a war. So then they were generals and, like, you know, then they all died. That sucked. And they really, I mean, they were aware of the Sith. Like, in episode one, Kyadi Mundi was like, yeah, the Sith had been extinct for a millennium. You know, so, like, I don't think that they are going to come across any Sith or anything like that. I think they are are not really aware that the Sith are plotting to come back in a few hundred years, you know, so. But it'll be interesting. I'm very excited to see what is to come from the High Republic. And who knows, maybe this, you know, literary uh, medium that they're using will kick off uh, 
more movies or shows Live or action TV yeah. show. Maybe it'll it'll spark some That'd be cool. <laughs> new content for us. Maybe this is like the litmus test to see just how excited are people for this? How many people are really into this? Should we make it into a movie? Should yeah. we like spend oh. X amount of our budget to make a really cool show? <laughs> or is this going to end up right. animated or maybe a movie series? Because they said that they're up yeah. for doing any kind of formatting for the movies now. So yeah, that's pretty cool. Well, I saw, and I'll use this to transition into A Crash of Fate, uh, but I did see a couple people online, you know, when they said that this is going to be like a a huge group and a a massive collaboration with the authors and Lucasfilm Story Group and stuff like that. And I know for a fact that the Lucasfilm Story Group reads through every single novel and comic that comes out prior to it, you know, going on shelves and and things like that. So, you know, the Story Group is heavily involved and... um, I remember when when we were talking to um, Delilah Dawson about Black Spire, um, Galaxy's mm-hmm. Edge Black Spire, and she actually had mentioned Zareda Cordova, and and they had that meeting about you know well certain certain authors can touch on certain things about the park, and then the other author can do something else. So you know one focused more on Oga like Black Spire, and then this one was on Doc, and then the comics did something else, and so you know they are. Mm-hmm working as a cohesive group um and i don't think people fully understand that it's not like you know this high republic is like the first time that this has been done like they work together all the time um and these authors are are friends and they they discuss back and forth with uh you know who's gonna have what happened in their books and and they even have characters that overlap um like salju and this one overlapped with uh salju of course in black spire mm-hmm. so we'll get to talk talking about that um but i just want people to be aware that yes this is you know the authors do communicate back and forth and it's not like everyone's sitting in their own little box writing their own story and you know so um there's a lot of thought and time and planning that goes into this stuff so guys let's get into a crash of fate by zareda cordova um, and we've got a lot of people that had uh, a bunch of thoughts on this, so we'll we'll talk about those at the end of the show. But what'd you guys think? It was so nice to have a love story. Yeah, that made I agree. Me happy. It was just like a light, sweet teenage romance. It gave me a little the cheesy. It, oh, it was totally cheesy, but, but that's like, what's cute. Yeah, I did not mind at all. Yeah, I mean, I think I think this book, first and foremost, um, and this is is, I think this book was meant to be a not necessarily like a guide, but a sort of just like a companion for those people who are going to the park, um, because they talk a lot about you know Cookie and Docking Base Seven, and they talk a lot about the Onaka Transport Solutions, which is where Smuggler's Run is. That's what the ride is. Um, they talk a lot about Doc Ondars, and they talk a lot about, you know, all these various places, um, Cat's uh, grain stall, or Cat's grain thing, and then the creature stall with Volt, um, and that's a lot of the, the marketplace when you go to Galaxy's Edge. So it seemed like to me it was more about the, the meat and potatoes of, of the park versus, like, a continuation of the war, you know, a continuation of the story of Star Wars. Um and so there's nothing wrong with that. I don't think that's an issue or anything. But it seemed like to me, and especially because I've been to the park, it was cool to kind of get a lot of these um, 
you know, locations and characters that you see when you go to the park. Yeah, I agree. I if This wishing tree, tell me it exists with the ribbons hanging from it because it keeps getting mentioned and I want to tie something to it. <laughs> um, I to be honest, I cannot remember seeing it. Um, if it is there, I think it's by Savis. Ah, uh, that makes sense. But I don't know for I cannot remember if it's actually there or not. Um, yeah. We're gonna have to yeah. look for that this summer. Yeah. But I totally agree with you. I it doesn't bother me at all that it didn't have like you know, major resistance presence or major aspects of the war um, involved. I just, I just really enjoyed like these two like characters that, that just were meant to be together and just watching them figure that out while they were running through a galaxy that I am very excited to visit. (laughs) Yeah. That's, I think one of the things that I enjoyed most was watching them, exploring their feelings for each other while exploring Galaxy's Edge and seeing her falling back in love with Batu and, you know, sorting through her feelings. And I liked some of the themes we had going on, like trust. And mm-hmm. it, was, it was a really sweet story. Well, let's start talking about the characters. Um, and Jesse, here's where I want to ask you a couple questions uh, as far as how to pronounce names. Um, so we go with, uh, the characters Izzy and Jules and we get them throughout the story. Um, but Izzy is a nickname for Izal? Izal? Izal Garcia? What's her, like, Uh, actual name? Garcia. How did Garcia? Garcia. Yeah, it was Garcia. Um, it was, how did, it was, oh my gosh, I don't know. How? Izzale. Maybe. I only remember Izzy right now, and I cannot think of, I cannot, like, picture it in my head how they said her full name. My guess would be, like, Izzale Garcia. I can try to listen to it really quick if you want me to. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really matter. It's just funny how people pronounce certain things. Mm-hmm. Like, I know, right. um, what was the girl's name in, uh, in Force Collector? Maisie? And everyone mm-hmm. was like, oh, it's Maze. Like it oh, just, yeah. things are spelled me. so funny and it's like, like you said Garcia, which makes a lot of sense, but I read it while I was reading it, Garcia, because it's S-E-A at the end. So it's not like Garcia, like we're yeah. used to spelling it. Um, but anyway, so yes, Izzy, and then we have Julin Rakab, 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 yeah. um, Julin Rakab going by Jules. So these are the two major characters in the story, and uh, in the prologue, they're like five and six, or four and five, or something like that, and um, then we skip, we fast forward 13 years, and they're separated, and um, they kind of come back to meeting each other. And what's interesting to me is that this book, essentially, while they're on Batu, lasted a day, right? Mm-hmm. It's right. one day for the whole book, and... Um, it takes place a few months after the Hosnian Cataclysm. So First Order's already destroyed Hosnian Prime and the rest of the New Republic planets. Um, and one question I have for you guys is, knowing that these two characters were best friends when they were younger, and then they were sort of thrown back uh, you know, into each other's lives at the beginning um, on Batuu, 
was there any doubt while reading that Jules and Izzy would would like end up together? Like, did you guys ever question the fact that at the end they would be together? Um, I mean, I think the author did a good job of creating some tension and probable circumstances where, you know, they might be separated, but I was pretty certain that being a young adult book that they'd, that end, they'd up. end up together. Yeah. Yeah, I can pretty much agree with that. There were moments when it did have me like screaming, you know, like a crazy person in my car, just at no one being like, no, you guys are being dumb. Don't leave. <laughs> but like, I pretty much knew in the back of my head that I was going to either be really, really mad if they did not end up together. And I was going to have to have some negative things to say <laughs> in this podcast. Or it's, yeah, like you said, it's a young adult novel. I mean, the whole entire thing talked about how basically perfect they are for each other and together. It would just have been yeah. silly. I mean, um, they were the talking about the force meeting them to be together. So, yeah. like, how are we're they not going to end up together? Like, <laughs> the one part was at the end where I was like, wait a minute, what is happening is when Jules walks out of the cantina and he is going to see Izzy because that one dude in the cantina was like, oh yeah, I just saw her. She's still at Saljus, you know? And he's like, oh, okay. And then he like starts leaving the cantina and then he sees the meridian in the sky and then he just turns back around. I was like, wait. Yeah, <laughs> it did have me there for like a quarter of a second. Yeah, I, was like, I didn't know how that was going to do work, it though. <laughs> like it, it didn't, it didn't make any sense. What are they doing? This is yeah. Star Wars. These kids, yeah. they need to get it together. <laughs> Don't they know the ending we want them to have? Jeez. Right. <laughs> well, here's something that I wanted to say too, and um, you know, this is. I don't know how you guys view it because I know in a lot of instances as females, you know, having a character fall in love might be viewed as like a negative thing, but I feel like in recent Star Wars, we haven't got a lot of romantic, you know, mm-hmm. uh, character or like situations, you know, um, there was like that, that, that non-romantic moment between Cassian and Jin in the, in the elevator at the end of Rogue One, where people, some people are like, oh, they should kiss, and then other people are like, no, I'm glad they didn't kiss, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess we got a little bit with Han and Kira, but Kira still, at the end, she was like, nope, you go ahead, I'm gonna deal with this, and she's got Maul, and, you know, I think she was sort of pushing him away for different reasons and, and things like mm-hmm. that, and so now here we are um, with these two characters, and we finally get, like, an actual love story between a few characters, so... What'd you guys think of that? I don't know if that's just me that felt like this was a little bit refreshing or... I loved it. Yeah. I I felt like her character growth and her trajectory with how she was written, it made her stronger because she learned how to fall in love and how to trust. So to me, it didn't make make me feel like she was giving in to something or being weak. I felt like she was having like a big emotional growth yeah I agree and and it's not that I don't want to see love stories anymore you know it's not that I don't like love stories or I'm, I'm sick of 
it, it's it's when every single time there's a main female character and she just like serves a plot as like being the damsel in distress of a love story over and over and over again or just just her entire existence in the story is to fall in love and have a happy ending in that way. And this was not that. And I feel like Star Wars has not really ever done that, um, to be honest. But, yeah, so it doesn't bother me. It's just, it's nice when you do get a few of those other stories here and there in between where the woman is not just existing to be in a relationship. It doesn't mean we can't have a good old-fashioned love story every now and then. Mm -hmm. Um, And, yeah, I agree. Everything about this book was about human relationships on so many different levels, relationships with your parents, you know, relationships from when you were a kid growing into something more friendship to to an actual relationship. Like, that was the whole entire theme of the book so I did not have a problem with that at all and and they really did help each other grow and they grew it was weird because it's only lasted a day but it was like they they recognized that they could be influencing each other's growth and like decidedly I don't know if I'm explaining the way I feel about it right but like they decidedly acknowledged that and then were comfortable enough to be like no I can grow and be in this relationship. I'm not going to let it, like, define me, you know? And I like that they, I like how they executed their relationship in the end of the book with each of them having their own ship. And he didn't rescue her and she didn't rescue him. They rescued each other. It wasn't, like, a (laughs) one-sided thing. And they both knew that together they had a higher purpose other than just their love story. Yes. When they're looking towards the resistance. Well, I took it as the resistance, but, you know, helping with whatever's to come. And finding yeah. their place in the greater galaxy story. So, I thought it was really well done in the end. Talking about the love story, I know, Amanda, you wanted to talk a little bit about this. The 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 scene where they were, the you know... The bow chicka bow bow. <laughs> <laughs> so... This was definitely like a PGGGPPPGG, maybe PG-13 book. Because <laughs> I was like, I'm reading and I'm reading. I'm like, oh, they're going for a swim. Oh, they're oh. like half naked and making out. In the, uh-huh. Oh, my goodness. This is like, this is a little hot and heavy for maybe a Star Wars, Wars book. What am I reading? Yeah, Where is this that- going? Oh, he's going to get shot now. What's happening? Okay. All right, we're back to Star Wars now, but for a minute there, I was like, this is like a little naughty, guys. (laughs) No, that scene, I was like, oh, we are in a romance novel. We are doing this. Okay, here we are. (laughs) Not mad at it. I wasn't mad. I just wasn't (laughs) expecting it to be like, oh, yeah. Yeah. They were definitely getting hot and heavy, so I could tell it was way more of like a young adult than like adult. a young reader yeah. book. Right. For sure. I was like, whoa, <laughs> hey. 
Yeah. Just goes to show like how PG Star Wars is in general that it's like two people get like in at the water and kiss and we're like, whoa! What's going <laughs> on, guys? They're like swimming and making out. Yeah. yeah. Well, honestly, I thought they were both totally naked because it well, said that they like undressed. Took their clothes and, off. Yeah. Yeah, no, and then they, they were saying enough. that she like wrapped her legs around him, and I'm like, oh. Yeah. I'm blushing. Cause then, but then when they got out of the water, she still had, like, a shirt on and stuff. and Yeah, yeah they had, like, they were some mostly. Clothes. They had the some goods clothes. were covered. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> hey, we went here. Yeah. Yep. But I thought that was, I thought that was interesting. And honestly, I even, like, I was surprised that that was a thing that was in this book. Um, and yeah. I even told some people at work, I was like, so guess what I just read about in the Star Wars book? <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. But it was, uh, it was pretty interesting. You made me choke on my water. <laughs> but, um, what I really like is, you know, the themes we talk about relationships and this, and obviously, fate versus coincidence versus luck and and all that stuff um and there's a line in i can't remember what chapter i wrote chapter and then forgot to write the number in this in this in my notes um but i think jewel says that uh coincidence is a version of fate for those who don't believe in anything and timing is everything to jewels and jewels is really big on on fate and stuff like that um and so I think that was that was pretty awesome. Um, there's a quote on page 117 that's all about trust. Uh, trust is a huge, um, you know, theme in this one as well. Um, when you get into luck, obviously there's a lot uh, related to luck. And Izzy is really big on luck. She's rubbing the obelisk at the end of the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, she hangs her the ring that um, Jules gave her at the end on the meridian. She hangs it above the console in chapter 28, and it specifically says, for luck. Um, and, and then you, you have the lucky. Laura Laura bird that follows her around and sort of attaches yeah. himself to her named Lucky. So what did you guys think about you know fate, coincidence, luck, and all the themes that we get? I really liked it, and I really liked the Laura Laura bird. Mm-hmm. When he flew away at the farm, I was devastated. I yeah. was so upset. And then I'm like, oh, he came back. <laughs> I mean, it, I felt like they were just two complementary things. Like, fate and luck are they're almost kind of like two sides of the same coin. So I kind of liked that they, you know, both had their own little thing i mean I, th- I thought it was really sweet that izzy considered his um ring that he had given her from a little small child as like her basically good luck charm she always touched it whenever she was like in a bad situation or feeling like she needed like guidance i feel like she always reached for that first so that was probably my favorite symbolism of of izzy's luck that i saw in the book mm-hmm. yeah definitely um, let's talk a little bit about some of the new characters that we get in the book, and obviously our two main characters are new, um, but we also get Tap and Nate, and we get Damar and Anatola and her crew, and then we also get Balin, Belen, Balin, um, Jules, Jules' sister. In the audiobook, it was Damar. 
Damar. Damar. D- Damar? Okay. Yeah. Damar. Uh, that dude sucks. I want to yeah. hit him in the face so bad. I hate him. On our Twitter page, the first week, there was a good number of us sitting there trashing him. Oh, <laughs> not going to lie. I missed that. <laughs> Where were you, Jesse? I don't know. There was but, all yeah. the dam- Damar? Damar. Damar? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there was all but, the hate. <laughs> yeah, he was just the worst possible ex-boyfriend that ever could have been. He just seemed so sleazy. He just and tacky. He, it's like he he used her for like a full almost year. Yep. And just like that classic like mentally almost abusive relationship where you just like you get just enough to like string you along. Mhm. It takes forever to realize that you're just you mean nothing to that person. Yep. They're just a taker. Yeah. And I can't believe he gave the jacket that she gave him to yeah. Anatola. That they, was just the rudest slap in the face. Did not care about her at and all. What a tool. Yep. <laughs> and it's one and thing just to like be a jerk, but then he like you said, like a mentally abusive relationship. He was basically like I can't remember the exact verbiage, but he was kinda like, I will light up the sky for you or or something like that. And, you know, it was her birthday and like she gets thrown to the ground and you know essentially left there yeah. by herself while she watches her man leave with his new boo thing that she was working for too so it's like it happened right under her nose yeah he pretty much should should have to answer to Oga for everything that he's done in his life. I would really like a little, like, mini story on what she does to them. Ooh, yes. Just just for satisfaction purposes, like, I want to know what she does to them so I can sit and gloat and be like, deserved it. That's going to be, like, probably capital (laughs) P-G-G-G-R. Perfect. I'd be fine with that. But he just said whatever he needed to say to get whatever he needed from her to, like, anything she wanted to hear. I feel like he just said it. And to go back to the ring thing, like, if you think about how Izzy, you know, Jules gave her something that meant a lot to him. And she kept it forever. She gives a jacket to Dan Mar, and he it, he just gives it away like it's nothing. So it just mm-hmm. shows you the, the difference in values there. Oh, 100%. And I forgot what I was going to say. It's the worst. Dang it! <laughs> I was holding on to it for so long until you finished it, and I was watching Eric hold his finger over the mute, and I'm like, all right. My chance is coming. It's cut. Oh. <laughs> I think one of the most interesting characters for me, and this character did not have a big part at all, uh, was Nate. Um, just the moments that he was in and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Jules sticking up for him. And Jules, I mean, to be honest, I loved his character. Like, he yeah. reminded me of myself in a lot of ways. Like, he got picked on when he was younger and then he promised himself that he wasn't going to let that happen again. Now, granted, they make him sound like this, like, really huge, massive, like, built dude that's tall. Um, 
kind of not there anymore myself. Pretty pretty short actually. Well, five nine, not too short. But um, you know, and then he came to Nate's rescue, and and he saved him from his uh, attackers or whatever. And you have this Nate guy that's talking. He must he worked for Savvy, right? That's what we gather, it seemed like, Mm because he had all these, like, crystals and stuff around his neck, and he was talking about the Force, and I don't know if he worked for Savvy or if he was just, you know, a Force believer or not. Um, But I thought, I I really liked his parts of the book. Yeah, I feel like he was almost, I don't know if it was his sole purpose, but I felt like he was there a lot just to show us and shine on like the amazing character of Jules Rakov. Like yeah. just how good of a person he is, how, you know, when it counts, when it comes down to it, he's gonna do the right thing. Oh yeah. He's the kind of guy that if you like popped a tire at eleven PM on a Monday night and he was driving down the road and there was no one else, he would stop and he would crank your car up and change your tire for you. Yeah, like, he's always the guy that, like, did things for other people, and what's cool is, like, he wasn't really doing what was best for himself until Izzy came around, which, like, makes them extra perfect for each other, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, had the backpacks not been switched, do you think that Jules would have taken his new ship and left the planet? Because Izzy came back because the parcels were switched. The backpacks were switched mm-hmm. at Onaka Transport Solutions. And that, that was the key because that brought them back together again. It was the force, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think he would have left. I think with him having the idea that Izzy was leaving mm-hmm. in his head, there was no reason for him to stay if that was truly what she was going to do so i don't put it past him that he would have left i think he would have tried to find his way back to her yeah i could see that what do you guys think of the conversation that izzy had with jules sister anger i was upset i understood the place that she came from and i understood where her heart was but i think it was wildly inappropriate and uncalled and, for. And she, the way that she placed her anger and blame on Izzy's shoulders. I'm like, no, this girl hasn't even been on the planet for like 14 years or something stupid like that. Leave her alone. Right. And she did it all under the thought process that she was like doing her brother a favor. But like, I don't know if she like took a step back and thought about whether or not she was like harming him more. Like this is the friend, the best friend, the girl that he's been thinking about and has clearly, the, the her absence has affected his life deeply. And now she's here and you're going to encourage her to leave again? Like, I don't think that would have been the solution to the problems she saw for Jules. Like, I just don't think she thought that through properly. Well, I'm going to play devil's advocate here for a second. Um, had we not got the first however many chapters of the book from Izzy's point of view, right? Let's just say we get it from Jules' point of view, and then all of a sudden this girl who was your best friend and who you kept thinking about and who you made your wishing tree wish for to come back, all of a sudden she's back. But she's always trying to leave. Like she's always trying to escape. 
you know, and you don't know what's going on in her mind. I mean, she says things, but like, it seems like she's always like, I've been here too long. I need to, I need to leave. I need to do this, you know? And so, um, fast forward to the, the scene with his sister and I wrote it down here too. I mean, Jules was once recruited for the new Republic army and like he could have, you know, really had a different life had he wanted to. And, and, and honestly, his sister blames that on the fact that Jules is waiting for her and the promise that I'm pretty sure if I read it right, the promise that, that Izzy made to Jules sister was that if she leaves again, that she won't come back because it's just going to be Jules. It's just going to be the same thing over and over again. Um, but if she stays, she's fine with it. I, I know that the end, like her end thing that she makes her promise that, that, that last part that you said there was, if you leave, don't come back. That's it makes it sound like it's better, but it's not like I, it's just her interfering and you know how it is like with a relationship. If you've ever been in a relationship where it wasn't the right relationship or it wasn't a good relationship, you can't see that by other people telling it to you. You have to, Mm -hmm. something has to happen for you to see it yourself and you can't truly get over it and move on or at least it's extremely difficult to move on unless you're able to experience it all the way through and work it all the way out yourself someone else interfering from the outside never helps it just can make it more confusing so i just don't think she i know she was had good intentions but i was yelling yeah i didn't i didn't understand how she like she had all this anger and hurt and blame and she was pinning it on basically a five-year-old little girl who got spirited away in the middle of the night like what is wrong with you how is it a five-year-old child's fault because who she is now is not who she was when she was forced to leave and that's not her fault how can you blame a a little a little girl like she's a kid yeah and she (laughs) had no idea anything about izzy knew nothing about her no her choices were not her own yeah, I don't know. Not a fan. Yep, didn't like it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was I was a little uncomfortable with that as well. Um, but I felt like I should play devil's advocate because we're all jumping on the beat on Balin train. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> sure, she's a nice lady. <laughs> sure she's she's fine. They still saved her life. <laughs> she's Anyways, pregnant. Just let her be pregnant. She, maybe she was just feeling a little <laughs> wild. It's cool. Hormones, yeah. <laughs> what I love about this is, and we talked a lot about this uh, when we talked about Black Spire, is that when you go to the park and you see all these things that you read about, it just makes your experience that much more exciting. Um, I really cannot wait for the two of you guys and all of our listeners who have not gone um, to go to Galaxy's Edge if you've read these books because it just makes it so much more exciting um, to be like, oh yeah, you know, the the grain fields, the cat's grains that Jules worked for. Like, there's a place where you can go to get grains that pop. It's like a popcorn place, but like, that's what Jules worked for. Oh. And you talk about um, Archek's, you know, Cardinal from Black Spire and he yeah. how he carved the you know the convoy and you can find those in the marketplace and yeah. you know <laughs> just going to docking base 7 and getting Andorian Tipyip like it's been talked about in both books 
I got that. I loved it. It's so much fun seeing these things that you read about in person. And what was the drink they kept having? Was it the Bespin Fizz? They got like fuzzy tauntauns. They got Bespin Fizz. They got a bunch of different ones. And these are all drinks that you can get at Ogo's Cantina. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so cool. I can't wait. I'm so excited. It it just brings the whole thing to life. Like Like it started off being a whole new thing that just had some elements like the Millennium Falcon and Hondo that were familiar to people. But now it's like it's gonna be like as if it was part of any Star Wars movie. You know, you have all these stories and backgrounds. Yeah, definitely. Exciting. Well, I want to talk about a couple quotes that I thought were funny. And sometimes, you know, they quotes sort of refer back to other things or or whatever, um, or just, you know, refer to other parts of Star Wars. Like there was one time where Jules called Izzy a princess and Izzy's like, don't call me, don't call me that, you know, Um, just things that make you think of like other parts of Star Wars. Um, you know, sort of just like a nostalgia quote or something. Um, there was a quote that Izzy said in chapter 17, um, if anything could get me to believe in magic, it would be this place, referring to Batu And, like, Disney, it's like the most magical place in the world. You Aww. Know? Yeah. Yeah. And so I thought that was cool because it's referring to, you know, Disney. At least it seemed like it to me. Um, and then I thought it was really funny and... Chapter 30 on page 334, if you have the the hardcover copy of the book, it says the only clean clothes she had, referring to uh, Izzy, were a simple black dress and a capelet her mom bought on Cloud City. Think about capes, Cloud City, obviously, (laughs) Lando, the king of capes. I just Um, pictured Kira when I heard that quote, Kira trying on all the capes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So I love those quotes and I love... uh, you know, I loved getting thrown back into other parts of Star Wars. Okay, any final thoughts that you guys have before we go to talking about um, the thoughts of some of our listeners? It was a super sweet book. It was an easy read. And it just gave me warm fuzzies. And that's nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was a nice break from the wars. Um always love a good heartwarming love story that has a happy ending so i'm definitely glad we had it in our lineup here all right um amanda do you want to begin with some of our viewpoints of our book club members all right we've got andrea of the galactic pod from twitter and she said that her favorite line from the book was being with jewels was like jumping to light speed without plotting a course and she put a little heart face emoji (laughs) yeah like that's such a cute line too there were a lot of them yeah yeah um jb schmidt so he he was one that did not actually like this book um he basically said maybe i'm alone in this opinion but this book was just not very good i'll contrast it to lost stars that was a young adult fiction done well portraying a more realistic relationship Crash of Fate is just a mess. We already talked about the number of awkward sentences and typos that should never have gotten past an editor. The characters were laughably young. I remember thinking my first relationship at 18 18 years old was the love of my life. I chuckle at how young and dumb I was, and the fact that the parcel didn't end up mattering in the slightest was maddening. An entirely new plot was created in the last hundred pages to present some kind of threat to the narrative. For me, this book is barely above Aftermath at the very bottom of my list. 
Ouch. Ouch. Yeah. Ouch. Oh. I, <laughs> I kind of, I, I did notice, I will give that to, to Jesse, that I did notice that there was a couple of sentences, even as I was listening in the car, where I was like, huh, that didn't make sense, or, oh, that's a new one. I've never heard anybody use that word to describe something. So I, I, I did hear a couple of the mistakes just from listening in the car, so I'll give him that. Um, but... I don't know. I fell in love at 18. I'm with my husband from when we were 18 years old, so I don't think it's that unrealistic. But (laughs) it's a mushy love story, so... Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think for me, it was more of, like, like, I'm not the best reader, and as I grew up and in school and everything, like, I didn't really read the books. So, like, if we were, you know, in, in reading class or English class or or English lit or whatever, and we were assigned to read a book, I, like, didn't. Same. <laughs> um, Maybe that's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and so I, I'm not a fast reader. I'm not, I don't comprehend every single thing that I read. And a lot of times, if a sentence, uh, you know, has a typo in it, I won't notice it, you know. Or, like, I have, I think I have some sort of, like, mild form of dyslexia, maybe, um, but like, I, I won't notice it. And like, I, I only noticed one typo and that was, it was run faster, but it said run raster or something like that. Um, oh. and I'm sure when they're reading the audiobook, they don't say it run raster, no. you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think overall, I mean, I, I was not like pulled out of the story because of the dialogue or because of the writing. Um, but I do think that, you know, Jesse has a point. I think they did sort of rush to get this book out just because they wanted, when Galaxy's Edge was open, they wanted readers to be able to have a book to sort of, you know, yeah, go along with the park and, and things like that. So, um, you know, probably another, another uh, trip to the editor's office might have might have made sense um and the only and we talked a little bit about this the only real complaint and it's not even really a complaint that i have is that um the book didn't really provide any sort of additional information to the war itself you know it was sort of just a, a companion to going to the park awesome check this book out you know yeah yeah but I do like all the sweet moments that it gives you if you do go to the park to relate to the book though like yeah. now I want to go look for the tree. I definitely yeah, I wanna, go ahead. Sorry. I want to rub the obelisk. I feel like that's the first yeah. I've heard of that. Was <laughs> this book? Yeah. Yeah, I I definitely did not think that this was like the worst Star Wars book or anything like that. Um I thought it was I thought it was interesting and I liked I liked the characters of Jules and Izzy, so I loved Izzy's character. Yeah. Yeah. Um Connie I think they will make a great addition to the resistance, referring to Jules and Izzy. With little they have been trusted, more shall be given. Story was definitely open-ended. I felt like this story had more love story elements than Star Wars elements, though, but I was happy to have familiar characters appear like Salju, Oga, and Doc. Great new additions like Tap and Nate. So, and I, yeah, I, I agree with that. I think it's it's cool when you get certain characters that overlap in multiple stories, Um to see them and what they're doing at different points in the timeline. 
So from Kayla, she said that she loved the ending. Um, and while she thinks they would be a great addition to the, re the resistance, she doesn't see them um, joining, at least not officially. Um, she sees them more joining up with Jules crew more than anything else. And she liked the open ending of the book and she's crossing her fingers for them to show up in the Black Spire book. I wonder if she's referring to um, Black Spire Galaxy's Edge, right? Probably. So, yeah. Unfortunately, Kayla, I mean, close your ears for spoilers, <laughs> but they're not. Yeah. <laughs> but as the stories continue to go and we get more novels and, and things, I think it'll be interesting to see if these characters do show up again um, in anything else. So, Nicole said that she can see them joining the Resistance and joining up with Vimerati. She's hoping um, with the last line in, this, in the uh, book that we will see a sequel. She said, call me a romantic, but I'm kind of hoping Jules and Izzy stay together. Kind of like Wedge and Nora. They're a great couple that we will see for the long haul. She admits that she could also see them settling down, and she has this feeling that they could have a family in the future. We shall see. Ooh. Ow, ow. Izzy and Jules in the tree. <laughs> <laughs> the wishing tree. Yeah. Aww. <laughs> All right, well, thank you, everybody, who gave us your thoughts and comments. And, uh, you know, obviously, we are working on building our Twin Sons book club. Um, and we've been getting a lot more interaction and uh, comments and people commenting on things. So... Uh, we appreciate everybody who has uh, been involved and, and participated over the last uh, couple books. And uh, if you're into Star Wars and you haven't read the, um, haven't joined our book club, then definitely you know tell your friends and, and uh, join us because we'd love to have you. Um, and that pretty much does it for February and A Crash of Fate uh, by Zareda Cordova, which will now bring us to March. And Amanda, what are we doing in March? We are doing Alphabet Squadron by Alexander Freed. All right. And uh, this book does have a sequel coming out uh, within the next couple months, which is why we kind of picked this one. Um, and I believe that one is called Shadowfall or something like that. And it's this book is it seems to be interesting. There's a comic book, actually. Uh, this was a collaboration with Marvel. So there's a comic book that's in the, in the middle of this book, which is kind of interesting. So I don't know how that's going to work, Jesse, with your audiobook. Um, if the comic book oh. is... It, I don't know if it's sort of like a visual representation of, of things that we're reading or if it's a continuation of the story halfway through or what it is. Um, oh, so when I, I was actually wondering about that, what it meant by a Marvel Del Rey crossover event. So the comics themselves are within the book. Yeah, it's like halfway through there's a comic book in there. Maybe I'm just going to have to buy this one so that I can see that comic. I, I, I'm going to still get the audiobook too, and I can let you guys know how it works out and how they deal with that or if they skip over that entirely. But I'm going to have to pick it up because I can't live without seeing that. <laughs> yeah, and like I said, I don't know if it's, you know, basically just a, a visual representation of things that you'll read in the book or if it's a new story or something, so I don't know. Um, but it should be pretty interesting. 
and uh, we are doing that for the month of March, and we are going to be having um, discussion questions beginning um, every Tuesday, Tuesday evening of uh, every week in the month in the month of March. So definitely um, continue to uh, join us and uh, comment and participate in those discussion questions. And Amanda, uh, if people want to participate in those, where exactly do they do that? You can join us at the TSO Book Club group on Facebook, and we are also now available on Twitter at TSO Book Club. All right, perfect. And Jesse and I, we do a bunch of discussions on other Star Wars stuff, including all the new stuff that's coming out for Star Wars The Clone Wars and uh, Star Wars news in general. So if you guys are interested in uh, following along with us, uh, Jesse, where can people find Twin Suns Transmission, Twin Suns Outpost? For Twin Suns social media, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all under the handle at Twin Suns Outpost. All right. And if you're looking for places to listen to not only the Book Club podcast, but our regular Twin Suns Transmission, you can find us on our website, which is www.twinsonsoutpost.com. Click on the podcast tab. You can find all of our episodes there. You can also find us on the Star Wars podcast app through the Google Play Store and on iTunes. If you enjoyed our show and you think we're pretty wizard, we'd really appreciate it if you gave us a good review on iTunes. Thank you so much for joining us for our discussion on A Crash of Fate for the month of February. We'll see you next month where we'll be discussing Alphabet Squadron, and we'll hope you join us um, in the month of March. For Eric, Jesse, and Amanda, and everyone here at Twin Suns, we'll see you next time, and may the Force be with you. Thanks for listening to this presentation of the Twin Suns Podcast Network. May the Force be with you. Rendezvous point on Halloween. This time you will murder to me as you.